Welcome everyone, you were listening to and perhaps watching The Exhausted, calling the audible. I'm your host, Pease. Mo has disappeared. Um, he's getting breast reduction surgery. So happy for him that he has finally made the leap. No, Mo's back. He just tagged me in the post. You think he's going to play co-ed? Mo? Mo Khan? As no, he's got, he's got his fingers still broken. Eh? Listen, it's 2019. You can't, you can't force him. You can't force him to identify. Simon, how do you identify? Simon, uh, writer, podcaster, Eagle. I identify in the aviary family. I'm hollow div one div two writer, um, and uh, you know you can call me Zay. I will not. I am. Uh, <laughs> I am Pease, and uh, listen, it's uh, it's 2019. You are correct. That is the year. Thanks. He said facts. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you. It is 2019. Um, what games? Facts. His name is Pease. What games caught your attention? Uh, okay, so we'll we'll start with we'll start with Div One really quickly because it, we're going to yeah, talk. Div One, we're ignoring you after this, yeah. so you can turn off your television or computer phones nope, or televisions. That's where we are. Uh, I mean, if you have like a Chromecast or something, maybe seriously. you're watching. So, bro. so uh, Wastute lost the finest. Could have potentially knocked out finest out of the playoffs. Could have, put have, would have, but did not. I know. It's the thing we wanted to happen. Like I've so been bad. saying, I've been saying all season. The only time we care about finest is when they lose. Yeah. So it finest, was the, it was definitely the the juicy storyline going down the stretch yeah. in the playoffs. Will the finest make finest it? made the playoffs? Maybe now they're gonna win a championship again. Oh, great! Uh, and that's about the only story that was fun. Well, there was more. There was so uh, got fat needed to win both games to, to be eligible to qualify. They, they lost the first. They, lost. they immediately got destroyed <laughs> by D Boys. The resurgence of D Boys in the latter half of the season. This team went from will they make the playoffs to now the three seed, uh, surpassing DK in the final game. Um, is that so? That is so no. because they all finished at five and five, and uh, and uh, D Boys have a better points allowed. That's not. And waste you going into the last game needed and to win wa- wa- and oh, yeah. no, allow less than forty-seven points. Oh yeah, yeah you're right. Sorry, waste Sorry youth that. were out of the playoffs just a few weeks ago. They won two of their final three games, but they lost the big game to the finest, allowing the finest to clinch. So the, it's it's been um, an interesting uh, storyline heading into the playoffs in Division One. Yeah. Not the case in Division Two, where it was the most boring <laughs> playoff run in the history of FPF. I think I think how? it was decided after week three who was going to be in the playoffs. How was right in the last three? articles <laughs> it's been <laughs> tough I've, I've been reaching let's say it's been more div one centric yeah. that's for sure we so felt it here honestly in the podcast too it's just like because again look the statues do do great job of uh, telling you the stats and you, you do a great job alex of of telling us what happens in the field so yeah. we're legit looking for stories yeah you have to invent them sometimes Man, that, div two's been big big story in div two last week uh clockwork um cl- clock makers moved up a spot and jumped over King's Landing, who moved down a spot. What's going to happen? They're still going to play each other in the playoffs. <laughs> They're still going to play the Crazy same team day. in the second round. You know, so there's nothing day. exciting going on over there. So we'll talk about Div Two as a whole. So four teams have a bye. Well, do you want to cover any, any of the games that happened this week, or they didn't? They didn't matter really, except from the one that although I said somebody moved up one spot to play the same team. Concerning uh, storyline with King's Landing, however, so we all know the story with them. They lost the first four games of the season. They revamped their roster mid-year, uh, played against four lousy teams to go four and four. They looked great. Final two weeks of the year, they faced um, 
they they faced uh, controversy and hashtag NR lost both of those key matchups. So I think that's a little bit uh, of a question mark for Kings Landing heading into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. What team are they? Are the team that went four and zero blistering back to a five hundred record, or are they this team that's most recently representative by their zero and two versus actually competitive Div two teams? You want a hot take? Yeah, give me strength of schedule. Guess who had the easiest schedules? Kings Landing, STL. Braves 2.0, you can sit with us and hashtag NR. Okay, I have a question, though. I I have a question right now because I've been listening to this all night. So you can't sit with us when 10 and 0, right? So we delivered 10 losses to those other teams uh, that you're using to measure our strengths of schedule. I exclude your individual games from that because otherwise they would have had a 390. But in this case, you have a 433 if you count, you remove those 10 games. Okay, well, look, STL and Braves (laughs) 2.0, you're bigger false kings than us. I mean, look. There's no, there's no falser king than the one at the top in the, in the paper crown. So that's right. You got to be up top to fall. That's true. Pretty so hard. true. You can sit with us, STL, Braves 2.0, Ashtag and I have a buy, have a buy this week. And it's literally like this week because they're playing as if two's playing on Monday, mm-hmm. and uh, they're playing following fall weekend. So it's gonna be a shorter show than the rest because we don't have that many because games. Because there's only four about. games. Yeah. So. <laughs> so only one hour. Again. Yeah. Um, Terror Squad takes on Prospect Squad in the Battle of Squads. In the Battle of Squads, nice. Uh, third seed and sixth seed. Um, preliminary thoughts. Happy to see Prospect Squad in the playoffs, by the way. Just as a general, like, aside. Happy, but then the two teams that didn't make it in, they're also, you know. No, no, but still, look, like, I mean, look, they, since they, they can't Mer- be blamed for other teams being worse than since them. Since they added Mara they've been a competitive team. Yeah. And, like, it's, 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 look, we want them to be competitive and, um, in, is this their second season now or third? Second. Prospect was their second season. Yeah. They started in Div B in the springtime. Yeah, so their second season. Uh, Div 2 is a step up from Div B. Yeah. Um, and so and, and I'm happy. Look, they have postseason success. Good for them. Yep. Uh, they, they got the postseason. Great. So this is probably the best draw for Prospect Squad in my opinion. I agree. I think the Terra Squad is a vulnerable higher seed. Prospect Squad has the ability to be uh, loud, fast, physical with the guys like Terror Squad, and size could turn into a huge advantage for Prospect Squad. I uh, disagree in, uh, heavily. I think that Terror Squad is a horrible matchup for Prospect Squad. I'll tell you why. You have Serge Pilon. Was there was there a, was there a better matchup? Was there a better matchup? Well, between between Terror Squad and Bad Boys, I do think that Bad Boys would have been a, a better matchup for for really? Prospect really? Squad. Okay. I do think so. I think that because. Uh, I, I think that um, terrorist, uh, Prospect Squad's athleticism and speed is what they have going for them, uh, if, yep. if nothing else. And I think that matches up better against uh, bad boys who are a little bit bigger, a little bit more physical. Maybe c- speed can get the upper hand on them, whereas Terror Squad is a very fast team and, uh, and, and very talented. You look at Serge Pilon and, and Patrick Jerome, man. Uh, to go on with all, with the other up and coming players on the roster uh, from this season that have really molded. So uh, I, I don't like this matchup for Prospect Squad. Um, I think that they did some nice things down the stretch, especially with Mario coming in. He, he really helped solidify that team a bit. But look, I don't think at any point is this an actual team to compete in Division Two uh, this year. So uh, I don't know if you guys would disagree with that. As a contender, as as a serious playoff threat, I think they're a one and done type team. Doesn't I mean, that mean, would surprise no one, right? It, it must. It doesn't mean that it wasn't a successful season for them. They yeah. did make strides. And like, see, I, I I see what you mean with the speed and the matchups for for a team like Terra Squad, right? Like, yes, Serge Pilon is a freak and could shut down basically anybody on the field. 
But I could also see Prospect Squad being able to score with ease against this Terra Squad defense. But how? Okay. Eagle, I can't hear you. Not on the mic. Because the because the reason why. So to score. So here's the thing. To 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 score with with ease at the at the amount they're gonna need to win this game. They're gonna have to score every single time. Well, you're now Mario Pereca is 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 a is an is a great quarterback, but he's also turnover prone at this stage in his uh, yes. in his FPF career. One or two turnovers is going to be too much against Terror Squad because all Tam has to do is chuck it down to Selsh. Uh, Selsh can use his speed and his hip moves to dip around forty hip yards downfield, or he can toss a thirty-yard bomb to Jerome. Prospect Squad's defense is in heavy disarray. They lack the uh, organization of a proper Division Two team, and I, I just don't see them stopping Terror Squad at all in, in this encounter. I've realized two things. Yeah. One is uh, for the first time tonight, I've seen the background that we're in front of, and it's gray and i wouldn't have worn a gray blazer had i known that um <laughs> you so look very slim then with just a sliver of uh, right? beige down the middle <laughs> um the other thing i've realized is you look at alex roberge 443 yards 11 touchdowns you look at um denal pierre 368 yards nine touchdowns mm-hmm. twin touchdowns between two guys do you think given that basically the offense has been them do you think there's enough f- for them to even challenge terror squad I think game. that it requires Mario Pereca to use more than two guys. So he's going to have to really open up his playbook. I find that in the recent weeks, he's been running too much. That's my personal perspective. If he needs to start using more receivers than just Snell and Alex Roberge. He's got other guys that are very good. I don't think he's comfortable using them. The, the, the running is a symptom, right? We can yeah. say uh, uh, of his Snell's lack of not open. Alex comfortability not open. With, with this receiving core so at this moment. Comfortability otherwise known as comfort. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Summon the comfortability. Yeah, Summon the comfortability. I like so it. I, I just think that it's... Listen, the show's not about learning. It's no, okay. It's not. it's not about words. <laughs> I love you saw those Mokan questions from earlier. As long as you're wearing the right color blazer, you're all good. You know? <laughs> I, so if Mark... You, you can't... Like you're gonna have to take chances. It's playoffs. You can't just use two guys. He's gonna have to force it to certain receivers and pray it works. Because I agree with you. Terror Squad is a difficult team to beat because of like Pat Jerome and Serge Pilon being on that team, and Tam's also a very good defender. Tam's a good quarterback for them. And like Jasmine, he was a good defensive play caller. Like, yes, they, they know what they're doing. So he's gonna have to be one a gunslinger and use more than two guys. Jazz Ryu, first of all, shout out to the uh, Flower Defense uh, special concept created by Jazz Ryu. Uh, when he played for two and a half dance. Um, so Jazz Ryu likes to get creative. He'll send different shoots from over the field. Yep. He'll, s- he'll send one, too. And with Pat Jerome and with Serge Pilon firing to the other end of the field. Now, Mario Pereca is going to have to avoid all of these uh, pitfalls uh, on the field. Yep. And I think just one turnover, uh, my honest opinion, is just one turnover from Prospect Squad is going to be too much in this, in this matchup. What's a flower defense? Uh, a flower defense is a beautifully um, conceived uh, defensive concept by the mastermind of Jazz Ryu. Uh, it's 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 so effective that when it's being employed against you, you don't even realize it's happening until it's too late. It's probably been worked over on you a couple of times in in your in your matchups with him. Most likely. Most likely, <laughs> and you wouldn't even have known that it would have happened. So um, it's it's right. it's like it's like Inception. Uh, it's like Inception on steroids. You have to start the Inception on steroids. Yeah. It so it'll make less sense. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> it makes less sense to everyone, but it's... Picks. Um, it no longer makes sense, and it's Jack. Uh, Terror Squad, Prospect Squad, your pick. Alex, don't tell us because it's in your article. 
Read it. Got, well, uh, your article's coming out when? Uh, sometime this weekend. Awesome. You go first. Look firm, for it. Firm deadlines. I'm going to pick uh, Terror Squad. I got Terror Squad. I'll jump in. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go Terror Squad in a very close game. So, <laughs> given that we expect Terror Squad to win this game, why? they, by definition, will play Hashtag NR. Yep. Do you think they stand a chance at the next level? Against Hashtag NR? Yeah. I think so. We're going to talk I about it next week. I think so as well. I think that... So tune in next week. Yeah. <laughs> That's what they call in the business a teaser. Yeah. Well, uh, look, hashtag NR, uh, it's not uh, as potent as a hashtag NR as who won Division 2 last year. They did go 9-1. and one. It is a little bit more of a saturated Division 2. And, and now Serge is on the other team. Now Serge is on the other team. So I, I think that this is going to be an excellent uh, encounter. Pretty much a coin flip. Hashtag so NR versus Terror Squad. Are you saying false games? False Kings. False Kings. Uh, bad boys take on alcoholics. Uh, your initial thoughts, Simo? Uh, bad boys by 20 points. I wasn't asking for your picks. I was asking oh, you for said your my thoughts. initial thoughts. <laughs> it's going to be a blowout. Bad boys are going to win by a lot. So I need you to change that pick for when you, <laughs> when okay. you pick the game. Um, I think that bad boys have been playing much better as of late. Uh, their offense is finally going. Pat Chenault has been looking really good since I called him out. Uh, oh, it's, cause, so it's, your, it's because of you oh, yeah. that he's improved. Right. I said he was the worst quarterback in yeah. the division. Le- left on vacation, it's came back, has been really, really It's good. because of you and because of Nick Arsenal-Hum returning nope. to his receiving nope. core. Nope, 100% me. Uh, it's a g- Honestly, bad boys, I've been playing up to the level that we expect. When you look at that roster, like, okay, this is a good team. Mm-hmm. And they've been playing much better ever since. They have the right athletes on defense to really make the dent against teams and shut down guys. They're a very physical team, and I think Alcoholics just doesn't have the firepower to keep up. Poor Alcoholics, man. They, uh, they, you can tell uh, Paul Lapierre is, is actually played. You know, Paul Lapierre statistically has been the worst quarterback in Division Two this year. That's it's not a, an opinion; it's a, it's a fact. That's why. But there has been stretches of game this year where he's played lights out, like the old uh, the Paul Lapierre of old. Yeah. Uh, he just doesn't have the horses in the race to support him. Uh, not not by not by a landslide either. The the guys on his on his team, unfortunately, are are would be more suited to a Division Four caliber uh, yeah. conference. At the end of the day, he loses every matchup across the board. Right. Yeah. Like he's, if he's playing a team like Bad Boys. Defense is gonna win one on ones. They could play man the whole game, and he's gonna struggle. The thing is, like these are all guys, you know, who we recognize from FPF in, yes- in yesteryear, right? Like, so uh, Mike Smith, Sean Kennedy, uh, you know, Don Shepard. Like, these are guys that, not even necessarily that they're less dominant, but the level of athleticism has just risen in FPF, right? They're also older, but that's but it's, it's two part. It's it's so. Like, if FPF would have been just, like, an old boys club and it's the same guys who come back, you know, that, that sort of keeps the league at the same level. But, like, a team like Braves comes in, for example. Braves 2.0 come in. And and they just completely take, you know, like, oh, my God, there's this whole new wave of players. Or hashtag NR coming up from Division 5, you know. Yeah. Granted, not all the same guys. But those two or three pieces that are coming up from all these uh, from all these, these, these newer teams and they come from, the, from outside the league – it's helping that league get better, and Paul Lapier just doesn't have access to those guys. I had a chance to speak to Paul briefly about it, and uh, he said in similar thoughts he would have loved to have been able to play Division Three or Division Four. However, obviously he can't throw in those divisions. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a so he just wanted a paralyzing to f- situation, right? He, he just wanted to f- he, he himself is too good to play in Division. He just two. wanted to feel it. the team, and he didn't want to you know open his wallet and 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 spend a bunch of money to to recruit guys who maybe are going to you know yeah. not pay or or something like that or or just spend just too much also, time. Guys, just pay your season. 
Yeah, <laughs> I think we're over that it's point right now where you have to be having that conversation. But unfortunately, it's true. So he just wanted to get a team in. And uh, I think talking too much about alcoholics at this point is kind of like beating a dead horse. Uh, we, we know that they're not going to be competitive, you know, uh, this, this week. If they are, it's lucky stars, uh, you know, across the horizon. But um, bad boy, this takes nothing away. Bad boys are a scary team in, in uh, Conference A heading into the playoffs. And uh, just to clear it up, uh, under the influence of alcohol, if you physically beat a dead horse, it's not an excuse in a court of law. So. But if he's dead, though. You still can't beat a horse. You still can't he's dead. dead. You can't beat a, a I'm corpse? I'm sure you still can't do it. I'm sure you can't beat a corpse. Correct. Uh-huh. Uh, Simon, That's right. You can by how many points? 21. Yes! Alcoholics win by 21 points. Your pick? Uh, alcoholics win. Uh, sorry. Really? After all the things said. Freudian slip. Uh, bad boys win by uh, four scores. Oof. Yeah, 45-20 is my pick. I just got a text from Mokan saying, dude, why the fuck are you guys still on for it? Why is yeah, it so long? And then I told him it's because you gave us a horrible script. Yeah, my man. <laughs> okay, next game. Um, I'm going to also pick Excuse uh, me. Boys. I apologize. Uh, the next game is Controversy and Nighthawks. They played week six. Controversy won 39 to 25. That was a closer game than the score indicates. Uh, they were score for score until deep in the second half. Uh, Hainsley Adams had Dan Lazara dead to rights out of about four different instances in this game. Could have made huge uh, momentum-changing sacks. Always missed a sack uh, in this matchup. And it allowed Dan to uh, squeak out and, and make these huge conversions. So... Uh, just uh, as a, a little bit of information, that game was was definitely a lot more close than uh, than the score seems. Um, well, Dan Lazara, we say it often, is he's he's more he's more than he gets credit for, and he has the ability to to make the rusher miss and buy extra time. Um, and when he does, he has an excellent receiving core to go to. Um, who are the guys he leans on in this game? AJ. Gomes for sure. Sam Ashtub. I don't know if Rod is gonna play. Well, Rod's back. He was. He is missed he? a lot of time. Still from hurt. Well, it's true. He is hurt. Yes. He's back from uh, vacation. Yeah, yeah he's back from vacation, but he's hurt. So, to me, this is a trap game for controversy. There, this should be an easy W for controversy. But there's things in this game that. If Nighthawks play the same way they've been playing for the past three weeks, where their offense puts up 40-something points, and written in Shuri, for some reason, converts every fucking fourth down he gets, mm-hmm. and their offense just scores, right? So Nighthawks is built around the fact that written in Shuri is going to score points, and their defense doesn't really matter. If that's the case, and controversy cannot stop written and Shuri, and it comes down to downs are keeping up with written and Shuri, there's a solid chance that he makes one mistake and he loses the game by five. The the thing is, uh, I'm looking at the interplay between Robbie Robinson specifically and AJ Gomes. I want to see if Robbie's going to try to get in AJ Gomes' psyche in this game and uh, see how that impacts the play of AJ. He's going to be monumental for controversy with no, let's say, assuming there's no Rod Mashtub, yep. he's not back from injury. Monsters are eliminated from the playoffs. Doesn't have to hurry back. So you're looking at a two man uh, a, a two man attack in uh, AJ Gomes and Sab Mashtub for controversy. And uh, like you said, one mistake could be the turning point here because that removes Rod, their best defensive player as well. We know that the Lighthawks can light up a scoreboard. Um, I could see this one as like a West Coast-style uh, blow going back and forth all the way to the end. And maybe converts will be the differentiating factor. So um, so controversy's available roster is very thin. 
It's very thin. Like th- you got AJ Gomes, yes. Dan Lazar, Chad Reedy, Thierry Dreville, Seb Deschamps, R- Rafael Morelli, Ron Mashtub, who's potentially hurt. And that's it. Are you are you expecting to see a very conservative uh, Dan Lazara in this one, knowing that he doesn't have Rod Mashtuda as a He's third outlet? He's more conservative in general. I think mm-hmm. I think yeah, he needs to take those shots. Nighthawks defense isn't particularly fast. Mm-hmm. Rob Robbie Robinson is their best defender. I think there's ways to exploit that defense well, and most people have. The thing with Nighthawks defense is that they are baiting you to go deep. Look at their their week uh, 11 game versus STL. Dylan Taylor loves to to, to throw the ball deep, and he has a lot of uh, success with that most of the time. Yep. Um, I didn't see the game myself. Maybe you were witness yeah, to it, it firsthand. Right. Was it the case of uh, STL's defense being stalled by it, a deep, so a deep kind of zone uh, Nighthawks? It was Nighthawks. Yep. Yep. They double covered Jamie. Yeah. And I think Jamie had 15 of his 23 targets. He just kept going back. He, he to kept post. literally throwing deep in, over the middle of the field into coverage. It, yeah. was, it was bizarre. But that's where Nighthawks kind of put their strength on. So if you, if you, the best way to beat the Nighthawks is to actually march on them consistently because then they can't touch you. Like if you run three slants, they're not touching you the whole yeah. field. But you have to have the discipline to do that over and over and but over I and over again. I think Dan Lazaro has that discipline. He definitely has the discipline. And, and we've that. seen that that's been the evolution in this game. Um, as he starts to play with, like he, when you play with with familiar faces, he, he, and, and at times lower divisions uh, against sort of other guys who weren't as good as him, we saw he'd like to air it out. Now he's like, okay, well, yeah, I have a lot of different parts in different seasons. I, I got to develop chemistry with them. He saw he's seen the value of taking the air of the ball, w- you know, going through his progressions, going through his reads. And, and so that's what we've seen. Well, the fact that Ramash Tube's not playing, will this cause Dan Lazara to play a better overall game because he's going to be more conservative? Or will it cause him to tense up more and maybe make that critical mistake? I think it hurts their defense a lot more. Yeah. The, it hurts controversy's defense a lot. I think that he's gonna, it's going to force more balls to Jadaridi underneath than like the little two-yard patterns that Jad is the master for. Instead of deep shots to Rod that... Every time they tried it, the chemistry wasn't there, mm-hmm. and it was either overthrown or underthrown or w- not where he thought the guy would be and ended up not looking good. There's an interesting thing when you play Nighthawks, right, uh, as an opposing quarterback. In the back of your mind, there's this little conscious speaking to you saying, you better not fucking miss a drive. Because Don't fuck up because Rich won't. Because they're going to keep scoring no. over and over and over again, Which right? Which is crazy. That's so. exactly what happened with SCL is you're looking at this, you're like, okay, these guys, you know, they're they're not fast, they're old, whatever. But they scored five for five. Yeah, I mean, they made the, one mistake. Game was over. They're a bad team. Let's let's put yep. the cards. They're a bad team. They're not a but team. they get in your head somehow. So so, I think this one's gonna happen. That's why it's a trap game. Is it looks like an easy win, but it might just not be. Picks. Give me nine hawks. Controversy squeak by. I agree with Hollowack. It'll be a close game, but but I think uh, controversy won. High scoring, close game. They summon the victory. Uh, Today, please. Nighthawks. All right. Uh, last game. Jesus Christ. It's I mean. It's the first Jesus time that Christ. the podcast goes to tomorrow. <laughs> it's Friday, for fuck's sake. Happy Friday. Um, the Friday. Clockmakers take on King's Landing. They last played week one. Clockmakers won 27-20. So, <coughs> you hate Johnny Abram. I hate what? You hate Sean Avery? Sean Avery, yes. Um, I love how this game is essentially two quarterbacks that are mistake-prone play each other. This is not going to be a 
clean, you know, five touchdowns, no picks, five to five touchdowns, no picks. Shawnee Verm's going to make a mistake, but so will Ryan Kasten. It's interesting, man, because if you look at the progression in the last few weeks of both these teams, you have uh, Kings Landing, who went hot 4-0 and then crashed versus the two important teams they needed to show us something against. Yep. And then you have Clockmakers, who were stinking up the, the turf and then suddenly won two games down the stretch, but against really poor opponents. <laughs> so uh, they, they both, we can't really judge much from them no. from their past couple of games. We can't judge mu much from week one encounter because they were both in different environments back then. We don't really know what to expect in this game, I think. I, I, I think that just as you mentioned, that it, it might be a gritty kind of slug it out affair. It could equally end up being a high-scoring shootout where both quarterbacks play like this pristine game where they where they rekindle their fire from years past and uh, we have like a showcase type offensive performance because you don't want to say something exactly uh, I I actually believe that if that's the case Sean Abram's gonna have a good game but Brian Caston won't I, I don't see Brian Caston going seven touchdowns no picks so what about the psychological edge in this game between the two quarterbacks uh sean avram we know is a cerebral quarterback uh, he can he can break down a defense like few others but at the same time he can allow a defense to get into his head oh, yeah. like few others and this well. is the kind of defense that can do that right Th this is this is a, a big bodied physical fast uh well that's fast but big body physical <laughs> well, it, no, experienced they were defense. fast ones. they were fast They're still fast if they and have all the guys like if you have kalabovsky uh, Antonio Lani, Marco Messiotor, Matt Kierwak, um Adelaide's full. It's they're not slow. Teddy Fernet. Teddy, yeah, Teddy doesn't play much defense anymore. Just the, saying. The most yeah, but like he's uh, there. Like, but across the board, that's the, not slow. Like if, if a guy is missing and you have to rely on Teddy Fernet, it's not the worst well, thing. Or also yeah. in playoffs, why would you not want to play Teddy Fernet? Yeah. Well, t Teddy's not the player he used to be. But yeah, but Teddy Island. But <laughs> but still, like that's not a bad team. The most important thing of a defense, in my opinion, is not speed. It's it's how they move together uh, and if they have size. Because if you have a big team moving together at, at the right depth, it's gonna the field's going to look so much smaller for a quarterback, especially if they get their arms up. Like Making the field look small is the most important factor a defense can do. And clockmakers definitely have the, the ability to do that. And that's the best quarterback for them to do it against is Sean. Now, alternatively... How is, is Ryan Caster going to come into this game? <laughs> is is he going to even care who he's playing against? Is it going to have any impact on how he's going to is he's going to come in? Like, is there a playoff Ryan Caster Mamba mentality out there that's ready to be? Uh, <laughs> so I think Ryan Caster is the same pretty much all the time, and Sean Avram is a head case. So um, I, I, I disagree, man. But I just Ryan don't. I just I just I just don't like the the Ryan Caster that we've seen this year so fair. far today. Ryan right? makes so many mistakes, man. There's weeks where. There was this one particular week where Clockmakers had, they were playing bad boys. Matt Kierwak, as a rusher, got an interception by simply jumping. He, he saw triple signs, stopped rushing, jumped, and Chenal threw at him. Mm -hmm. Got a pick. And then two plays later, Ryan Kastner threw at Chenal. Like it's frustrating to see that their team is playing well, but Ryan just keeps on making the same mistakes. It's another, I, I think that it's just the, the assumption was... We'll take Ryan Kastner, we'll surround him with good players, and he'll do well. But the thing is, it, it seems as though Ryan Kastner just got so used to playing with his pieces that yeah. it's been he's been unable to recapture that. It's because they don't run. They, there was one week where Bobby Michaelberg subbed, mm -hmm. and you saw it right away. Like, Ryan looked good. He threw to Bobby, it worked. Because he's used to certain patterns and things that Rainmakers used to do that Clockmakers doesn't necessarily do. And uh, he's like, 
out of his comfort zone. His momentum has been just uh, jagged this year. Like when he played, you can't sit with us. He lit us up. Uh, he, it was like he was riding a wave and he caught the peak of the wave and it was smooth. And then in other weeks, it looks like he's just crashed early on. He's never been able to recover. Um, my, my question now turns to the roster for King's Landing. King's Landing, full roster is about 11 guys. Um, so you have James Donald on defense. You have Matthew De Silva on offense. Uh, let's say they, they're full roster. Do they make the tough decision to say, hey, uh, we're going to bench you for the greater good of this team this week? We want so-and-so personnel on, on this side of the ball. Or do they say, you guys paid, you guys were, were, were loyal to us all year. Are we just going to run our, our, our full roster? What do you do as the uh, team captain in, in, in those kind of tricky situations? You tell them that the game's at a different place. <laughs> Sights run. Well, the, the the thing is, at the end of the day, you have guys on this team that should be playing both ways the whole game. Right? Well, like I, Vinny Golano, Anthony Van Dram should not take this drive off. Anthony Van Dram is, in fact, the guy who plays two ways on this team when he's there. But now you're looking at Zach Junion, Vinny Golano. Uh, you're you're looking at guys who should be playing two ways, absolutely, of course. and can't because of the uh, the depth on yeah. on this roster. So how does you know is is that is that that's definitely going to be a hindrance if uh, I can yep. see another way if if it uh, if they show up full uh, full fledged for this encounter. Yeah, listen, I yeah I agree with you. Zach Junion should not take a rep off. If he want, if he does, it's because he wants to, because he takes like uh, he wants a water break. But aside from that, he should be playing both ways the full game. I don't think that James Donald is a better defensive player than Daniel. Mm-hmm. So why replace a guy by a not as good defensive player? I think it's unfortunate that we haven't had the chance to see the best. The version, version of King's, of King's Landing, Landing exactly. this year, and I, I, I don't know if we're going to be able to to witness that in the playoffs. We'll uh, see, maybe, maybe they'll show up with eight guys. But it, assuming they're they're not, you know, that's going to have a profound impact on this yep. game. I'm tired. Picks. Yeah. Picks. You more? You want to jump off? Give me King's Landing. I got King's Landing as well in this game. I think it's going to be. It's going to edge them out. It's going to be really. I, I'd say like if I had to put a score to it, I'd say like one of those 28-26 type games. Uh, oh no, I'm going way more than that. Like a 38 to 31 game for King's Landing. If they win, it's because Sean plays well and Ryan makes that one mistake that cuts them off. So Clockmakers by an extra point. Clockmakers and it's tight. Clockmakers and it's tight and ugly. Like uh, 21-19? Final thoughts. Like the duration of this show. <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? I hate you. Also, you got to fill some paperwork for you. I enjoyed being here. Thanks for the invite, guys. I Thanks, wish I, I wish we could have talked some Div 1. Uh, I think Next week. Next week. Join us next week. I'd love to in the second round of the playoffs. Until then. Yes, sir. Three refs. Home team gets to choose. Overtime rules. Thank you, myself. So, uh, never again. (laughs) The worst part is that I told Pete this. I said, we're we're running a tight fucking ship. We're out of there by like 10.45. Yes. Nope.